Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our immediate post-Christmas show. I hope you had a great holiday. Uh, New Year coming up. I uh, hope you're all looking forward to 2022, and I hope it continues to improve. I think 2021 was probably better than 2020, but not by a huge margin, but I have very high hopes for 2022. Uh, I want to get right to my special guest today. Of course, it is Scott Adams, the cartoonist that uh, creator and the ex- who executes Dilbert on a regular basis. Uh, he, that is not why he's here today. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Anyone who's watched me over the years knows that I'm obsessed with Hydrolyte. In my opinion, the best oral rehydration product on the market. I literally use it every day. My family uses it. When I had COVID, I'm telling you, Hydrolyte contributed to my recovery, kept me hydrated. Now, with things finally reopening back around the country, the potential exposure to the common cold is always around. And like always, Hydrolyte has got your back. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity, my new favorite, starts with their fast-absorbing electrolytes and adds a host of great ingredients Plus, each single-serving easy-pour drink mix contains 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C, 300 milligrams of elderberry extract. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity comes in convenient, easy-to-pour sticks that rapidly dissolve in water, make a great-tasting drink, has 75% less sugar than your typical sports drink, uses all-natural flavors, gluten-free, dairy-free, caffeine-free, non-GMO, and even vegan. Hydrolyte Plus Immunity is also now available in ready-to-drink bottles at the Walmart next to the pharmacy, or as always, you can find it by visiting hydrolyte.com slash drdrew. Again, that is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E dot com slash D-R-D-R-E-W. Be sure to use the code drdrew 25 for a special discount. There's Scott Adams. He is here because he is also a hypnotist and a persuasion expert. Uh, he's an expert in the glitches in our rational system, such as it is. And uh, I started listening to him. Uh, I found you before you started doing your daily, um, what was a periscope at the time, because you were making sense of a world that was becoming increasingly irrational, and I couldn't make sense of it. Welcome. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, I think you just said that I executed Dilbert, but... Um, <laughs> well, you execute the cartoon. Now you're you're the creator and the artist behind the cartoon. Yeah, the <laughs> maybe one day, I, maybe, I, I, suggest, maybe he's I, telegraphing something here. He is a hypnotist. He might be dropping something in here. <laughs> I, I always thought that if I if I discontinued the comic, I would go out with a you know go out with a big move, maybe kill him or something. Uh, anyway, uh, here you go. The it, it seems to me that the entire. Um, our understanding of reality is being challenged in a way that's never happened before. 
And some of it is a confluence of, of events, just coincidence. And it started, like you said, when Trump entered the, the race in 2015, 2016. Uh, I predicted at the time, one of my best predictions, I think, that he would change not just politics, but our sense of reality. Now, fast forward and see what has changed in just those few years. We no longer believe the news is even real. <laughs> yeah, Trump did that. We, we no longer trust experts with the same kind of credibility we used to give them. You know, now everything is like, well, I think I'd rather follow the money before I trust what you're saying. Uh, you had the, um, the Rittenhouse verdict, which a lot of people on the left for the first time realized, wait a minute, it's not just the news we criticize on the right. Maybe it's just all the news. <laughs> Maybe the business model of the news has changed so it doesn't even make sense to give, you, give it to you straight anymore. You always leave out some context. So then you've got the Matrix right. movies coming out. And you've got everybody talking about the simulation, uh, you know, and the, the strangest thing is that the COVID, uh, the whole pandemic has created two complete different histories that when it's done, some portion of the public and a pretty big portion will say literally nothing happened. And I hear from them all the, day, all the time. They're going to say, no, there wasn't even a pandemic. If we had simply ignored it, we wouldn't have noticed it, and therefore there was no pandemic. Now, I don't wow. buy into that uh, philosophy, but think think about how far we've gone from something like something like a consensus about reality to we don't even agree what we all experienced in real time. I mean, if you're doubting that you know a pandemic <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's not. Yeah, it's crazy. But but you know what? When I hear you say that, my mind immediately trails back to a time, a simpler time, when we all heard Yanni Laurel and the yellow blue dress, and looked at that and thought, "What? How can people see two things so differently?" And you, at the time, yeah. as I recall, were going, "Oh no 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 no! You don't understand. This is a tiny little example of what is happening right now." Uh, yeah, these are a little bit of uh, clues that seem to be adding up. You know, it's like the, the frequency with which we're, we're being told that our reality is completely subjective, at least in terms of how we experience it. There, there's something under there somewhere that's real. Uh, and I think that's the biggest change is that people's understanding of reality itself, just base reality, is going to take a really big um, turn. Well, you said something this morning that caught my attention, and, and I want to follow up if you don't mind. I, and and I, and I think I know what you're going to say. But you said essentially that right now the highest level of consciousness, I'm not sure what, what words to use, but awareness. Awareness? Awareness? Yeah. All right, awareness yeah. would be a, a basic understanding, starting from the place that you know nothing. You really know nothing, and you can't rely. You can't rely on a lot of things you thought you could rely on. But what's next? What's the next level of awareness? <laughs> well, uh, I guess we'll have to find out because you know you'd have to be there to answer that question. So I, I feel like the people who think only the other side are wrong are probably right. learning that that's not true. If we get to the point where we all realize that the high degree of subjectivity in everything we're doing one could imagine and i'll just i'll just speculate for fun that uh maybe after that is the authoring stage where you can start to mm. manipulate the situation 
maybe not even knowing how. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of science that says, for example, that if you have a positive attitude and you, you convince yourself over time that good things are going to happen to you, even if you don't really believe it, you just go through the, the routine of telling yourself good things will happen. It turns out that your field of perception increases and you notice opportunities. So you know, there's a real mechanism where simply putting your intentions into the universe seems to kick up um, possibilities for you that you wouldn't have seen before. So there may be some yeah. completely natural intentionality. Yeah. In, in, intentions may be the next level, it, it occurs to me. And, and But talk a little more about that, because that intentionality, I don't think people intuitively are common, it's not common for people to understand what you're talking about by setting an attention, deciding to do something. As a, it, it, yeah. It's a very, it's, 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 it, it's from your hypnotic training that that all comes, comes in. Yeah, it's a, and it's based on really uh, part of, partly psychology, but partly the, you know, the field of how to succeed. And people don't make a, enough of a distinction between wanting something, you know, wanting to be rich and successful, and deciding. Because deciding is when you say, I don't care how much this is going to cost. It's just going to happen. So you, you could argue that leaving Afghanistan was not wanting. That was a decision because we did it at great cost. I mean, I don't want to bring that politics into it. But, but there is a big distinction between deciding and wanting. And once you realize that, you, you start noticing that the things you decide are the things that come in. You know, they're, they're the ones that, that happen. And it's going to look like luck. And it's going to look like, well, I just noticed that thing or this person had that contact or I made this big sale and it all worked out. So if you start noticing how often a clear intention gets you what you want, it, it's almost magical. Now, I'll tell you the first place that I heard this uh, was... Uh, um, Salesforce's uh, CEO and founder, uh, whose name I'm blanking on right now, uh, Benioff. Um, I, I got to chat with him a little bit a few years ago, and he talked about the importance of intention and how, especially as a leader, I think, if your intention is really clear, then people can gather around it and you can get what you need. So I, I, ever since then, I've been thinking about it because obviously he's hugely successful. So you listen to people who have done it, you know, not the people who want to do it. <laughs> you want to listen to the people who have actually right. done it. And uh, right. I, I became a convert over time because you have to, you have to observe it over time. But uh, I don't know, maybe it's confirmation bias, but it sure, certainly looks like that in, intention thing is a steering device to get you what you want. Well, well interestingly, you have a story back to, with the, the test result that you wrote down before getting into Berkeley. That was an intention, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, that's, you tell them that story. It's an uncanny story. But I've had weird experiences like that in my life, particularly younger, when, you, when your intentions are very intense. You know, but, but tell them that story. So, so I'll tell this story, but you have to understand is one of a set of stories that are equally unlikely. Now, they're true, but the unlikeliness of it is, is the point of it. So uh, I wanted to take the, uh, the GMATs, the test you take to get into a business school. And I had taken, uh, taken one of them before, and I got something, I think the 77th percentile, which doesn't get you into a top school. But I had a bet with a coworker that I could beat her new score that she was studying to take. And, and I, for some crazy reason, I thought I could beat her new score, even though she was taking a prep course, and I wasn't. And uh, so I, I did my affirmations, 
which I'd been practicing and, and had some success with. And I imagined and visualized instead of getting a 77th percentile, which every time I took a practice test, I, I got about that same, same response, same answer. Uh, I imagined 94th percentile because I figured that would be high enough to get into a good school given business experience and everything that I had at that point. And so I would just imagine opening the thing because I'd seen it before, what, what the test result would look like because I had taken it once before, a few years ago. And I just imagined seeing a 94 there. And every day I would visualize and do an affirmation that it would be a 94, it would be a 94. So I take the test. It didn't feel any different than the practice tests I'd taken, in which I'd never scored higher than, I don't think I broke into the 80s, actually. And But I'm pretty good under pressure. And I took the test and went home. And a few weeks later, I got the uh, result. And I opened it up. I remember sitting in the chair in, in my room in my little uh, you know, mold-filled apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> those, those were uh, interesting times. And I remember looking at it, and in the little box with the result, it said 94. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, I must be reading like a, a code or something. It couldn't actually mm -hmm. be 94. And for hours that night, I would pick it up and look at it, and then I would put it down to see if it changed when I looked at it again. <laughs> and everything, everything, everything I thought I knew about reality just became in question. Now, of course, it could be coincidence. Yeah. Maybe I had a good But the, the, the big punchline is it's part of several things I did that all had that same, oh, my God, this would be a big coincidence if there were only one of them. But it was a repeatable mm. experience. It's interesting. So that, that, that's what got, uh, me, got me on the path uh, to uh, question reality as we as we experience it. Yeah, I, and maybe we ought to sort of uh, frame for people, you know, sort of how our cognitive systems work. They're full of glitches. Where our cognitive systems are not perfect. I, I worry about subjectivity being the next uh, level of awareness because subjectivity. Then, then you start to. You, you, you have the potential of starting to demean rationality and demean logic. And rationality and logic are very useful. They just have glitches. And they serve uh, uh, what uh, Ian McGilchrist called the, uh, what did he call it? The, uh, the master and his emissary, he called it. And the master is the emotional systems and the bodily-based systems. And you said the other day, I thought was really interesting. You, you, we were talking. You were talking about motivations, and people don't talk about motivations very often. Different than intentions, motivations. You know, what are these biological urges in us? And you said, really, all motivations distill down to fear and reproduction. And I thought, yeah, because fear is sort of part of the survival phenomenon, right? Your fear of dying, fear of fill in the blank, and uh, and then push the push the genes forward which is from an evolutionary biological standpoint that is the priority that's what we're here for as far as biology is concerned but it leaves a, a system that is sort of uh you know at the whim of some pretty powerful forces that that most people aren't aware are really driving the ship yeah no, the beauty of our uh existence civilization as well as your life is this really pretty self-correcting 
So we have the advantage that we can think, well, I think this is right. Let's try it. <laughs> and if somebody doesn't die, then other people try it. So you can you can sort of feel your way through reality like you know like Braille. Um, and we don't we rarely have the the comfort of a randomized controlled trial that's been reproduced three times to make our decisions. So you have to make the decisions because you right. can't do nothing. Doing nothing is making a decision, but it helps a lot to realize that other people's motivation and yours too are being driven by survival. Let's call it a fear and, uh, and reproduction, even when you're not thinking that way. I mean, you know, I put on my nice shirt, uh, my, my TV shirt, I put it on. Now, was I thinking, oh, I want to be professional looking, or was I thinking that it's part of the reproductive signaling process, but I don't think of it that way. I just think, oh, I wear a nice shirt because I'm going to be seen by a lot of people. But what? But what? What's the real reason? No, it, couldn't, I, couldn't I have worn a T-shirt? I mean, I do for my own podcast, yeah. so of course I, of course I could. Yeah. So, do it, why? Why did I make this decision? Don't know. It, it's it's why I one of, one of the many reasons I love working with addicts because th that's the only time you get to see all the cognitive systems and the motivational well and all the brain systems serving a new motivation that is distorted and broken. In other words, right. he, the desire, the drive to use takes over from fear and reproduction and all those things subside and this one priority emerges, which is use no matter what. And it's not a thought, it's not a thinking, and it's not a craving, it's a motivational priority. So, you, so all they're thinking, they start thinking about the people they need to be around or where they need to go and they don't realize there's this broken motivation pushing them to, to get near the drug so they will use again because that's all the brain is interested when they have a full-blown addiction. Yeah, and, and they're not always aware of it, wouldn't you say? It's just they'll, they'll find oh, a reason that, they, I, that their hobby will put them in a position yeah. where there's drugs. That's right, exactly. That's exactly right. And, and when they have, I, there's a lot of preoccupation in addiction medicine today about cravings. I have always said cravings are a good thing. Cravings let the patient know the disease is alive and well. It's like they can feel it. Okay, I got to do something or I'm going to succumb to these cravings. The more pernicious part of the illness is when they feel great, they got it together, everything's fine, and yet that motivational stir disturbance is there and they're not aware of it, and it operates on everything for, for years until it settles down. And that's the, that's the, the frightening part about the illness, and it enlists everything. It enlists reason, it enlists emotions, it enlists relationships, it, whatever talents the person has, it enlists all of that. Yeah, I almost wonder if we're hurting ourselves by imagining that an addict is, um, I want to say it in a non-insulting way because I'm trying to be productive about it, but almost a, yeah. a separate creature. Uh, almost it's like a human with a, you know, with a change because the drug plus the human is a, a different biological entity. It it's a different, it's a same. different thing. It's a different thing. I, I, I agree with you, but, but, um, that they are dis they're u different in a specific and unique way, but um, I will just <laughs> leave it at that. Excuse me. You speaking of those sorts of things, you had some doctor questions you wanted to ask me. Um, I heard that I think it was on a Joe Rogan podcast recently. There was some kind of a nasal spray, maybe an iodine-based thing yes. for your maybe mouth yes. or, or nose. And the question was, I, I yes. know there were some other mouthwashes that people thought were were good. 
But the question was, how quickly would your mouth repopulate if, let's say those things worked and just took it to zero? I doubt they could do that. Let's say they took it to zero. Are we talking about an hour later, you're back to where you were? Or or does it make a difference? It, it seems to be several hours later. So I, I actually was talked to one of the inventors that came up with one of these Baydine solutions. The guy's an ophthalmologist, a super bright guy. And he had all this data showing that you could dislodge the virus essentially 100% from the back of your throat and from the nasal pharynx with these dilute poviodine solutions. And another guy, he has a product called XClear that has shown the same thing with just saline. There's other data out there that show that Listerine can do this. So there's three different products that seem to be able to do this. I don't understand why no one has promoted it. It seems to be fairly efficacious. You have to do it three, four times a day. And I heard you said you take mouthwash four times a day or something. Maybe that's why you haven't had COVID. It, it really dislodges the virus. The virus has to bind and then get in. And it takes a little time for it to get in. And if you can dislodge it before I use it gets vodka. In, Vodka doesn't do it. I'm sorry. Yes, it does. <laughs> no, that's just your 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 genes, your, your superhuman genes. All right, red wine. <laughs> There's a theoretical amount of vodka that will make you feel that you don't have COVID. So, I think I think she's testing that too. Not right now. I will after the show. So. But but to your point, it is something that has shown to be useful. And for they they put the the iodine solution guys out of business. They they got they got censored for making claims that weren't substantiated. Yet they were. They just weren't part of the narrative that was sort of out there from the public health community. I was one of the many shocks of this entire this entire pandemic. That was one of them. Well, but look at the pattern of the surprises. How surprised are we that we didn't have rapid testing faster? How surprised are we about this mouthwash thing? How surprised are we that it's, uh, I am, I'm surprised that, that they weren't we, pushing we sunshine? We, we were pushing. Yeah. We were. We were pushing halodyne, right? It, it, it was halodyne. Yeah, yeah. That was a, they went bankrupt. No, I just told them that, and, and uh, it, it. We were actually. I was actually supporting them, trying to encourage people to get it and use it, particularly when they flew on planes and traveled and stuff. It was a great adjunct to traveling, but it wasn't it, very it was tasty, though. Yeah, it was pretty nasty, but but I am surprised. I this is not the medical system I lived in all these decades. It it, it is. It's been adulterated. It, it's something. It's sick. Something has happened. It's very different. So have, you watched, have you watched uh, Dope Sick? The, the series about uh, and, and I've and, interviewed and yeah and I've interviewed the woman that that did all the investigation the, the journalists and stuff and I, look I there's the you got to read um, Sam Quinonius's book Dreamland if you want to know really what happened with the opiate epidemic it, do, it, look the drug companies they were duplicitous I I, I remember kicking the um, what was the company that that uh, those guys had for that made the oxycontin. The, Purdue? Uh, I forget the name of the country, but I, I, Purdue. I kicked them out of my office when they first came in talking about non-addictive opiates. I would just get out of here. Get, and by the way, not the first time or the last time I kicked drug reps out back when we used to see them. We don't even see them at all now. Uh, Upjohn came in with, with telling me that the reason my patients coming off Xanax was having seizure was because it was just an underlying seizure condition and it was their previous anxiety that had been so well treated by the Xanax and I should put them back on the Xanax. It's non-addictive. Also, out. I, I, this was not an uncommon... 
it was not an uncommon practice back then. And they're, they're still, look, whenever you see anybody, they're on a search for a non-addictive opiate and a non-addictive benzodiazepine. And, and they're not alone as drug companies. There are massive academic, you know, in, infrastructure that's going after the same thing. They don't understand addiction. They don't get it. And that's that's where the real problem is, what, what my profession has done. That's the part I've found inexcusable. And so that was that epidemic, the opioid epidemic. Now we have this epidemic and a whole new set of weaknesses has emerged in my profession. Not the least of which is that I found out everyone is now employed by a hospital or a large group. So they're, or they're forbidden from thinking for themselves and practicing medicine. They have to follow follow pathways and standards and things. And then they're told what to think and what to say, and they get scared. What I learned from the uh, DopeSick uh, series, and I'm assuming this is accurate, is that it's really easy to buy an expert. And then once the one expert has said X is true, if nobody else is saying anything else, it's, it's just true. Yeah. It's the one, one thing people know. So it was so easy to move lots and lots of people with you know, just an expert or two. Uh, usually, though, those experts, I, I mean, they're obviously swayed by money and whatever they're, they're put, but, but they are usually evangelical. They're, they're usually believers, in my experience. It's, it's not that they are lying or that they are doing it just because of the money. The money keeps them, keeps them in the game and keeps them going with enthusiasm, but they're evangelical. That, the drug companies go and find people like that. They're evangelical about their products, and they push them out to the world. That, that's, that's what they do. So uh, it's nutty. The, look, whenever there's a religious overtone to anything in, in science, it's it's a catastrophe. <laughs> it just it just is. The words belief should not enter into the the lexicon of discussion about scientific process. It, it it's not a belief. It's you know what what does the evidence suggest? That's it. And what's your experience been? Move forward until we have more evidence. That's it. Uh, uh, but we've been learning in camps and. That yeah, I mean, we're learning that anybody is interpreting the science. You didn't really hear any science, and that's the only way that the public yeah. hears it. I, I've never, I've never yeah. done a scientific randomized control trial. I just hear somebody talking about it. I don't know if they're talking about it correctly. Yeah. And we, and when we see yeah. as many situations where they're not talking about it correctly, how do you believe anything? It's sort of like the stock market. Right. Uh, you know, we, we used to think it'd be smart to get an expert because, you know, there are 10,000 stocks. So how could you know which one's good? So you get an expert. And then someday you learn there are 100,000 experts. How would you get the good one? <laughs> you can't pick a stock. Right, right. What makes you think you can pick a financial expert? You can't. Right. So a lot, a lot of what we do is absurdity and we're paying extra for it. So, so to your point about the experts, I, I want to talk a little bit about Anthony Fauci for a second. I think I've told you I was a great admirer of his. Uh, he's the reason I got involved in radio in 1983 and 84. He was just championing us young physicians to go out in the media and change attitudes about HIV and AIDS. We didn't have HIV yet. We were calling it HTLV3, and uh, we didn't have a term safe sex yet, but I, I took it very seriously. And that's why I got involved in radio. It motivated me to get involved in radio. That, we needed to, and we learned a ton about shaping health behavior and how to do it, particularly around, you know, extremely powerful motivations like reproductive health and 
you know, it was, it was, it was a line, it was a minefield back then, but we learned how to navigate it and how to shape behavior. We abandoned all of that during this pandemic, but that's not my point. My, my point is that I went through four subsequent, well, three subsequent, four total pandemics with Fauci. We had HIV, MERS-1, SARS-1, uh, H1N1, and then now this one. So five pandemics, four of them, his, his guidance was beyond. It was exceptional. I'm telling you, the man was a leader and led us, at least in my profession, beautifully. I mean, masterfully. Something happened this time. Something went very wrong. He became adulterated in some way. What's that? Well, but let me ask you this. So I uh, need a fact check on this because so you were closer to it. Yeah. My understanding is that the uh, part of the solution for the AIDS situation was making sure that hetero people were also scared because that's where the, the money was. Yes, we over, that was that was part of his he was that was his directive to scare he because I'll tell you why because it was a, it was a self-conscious move that I participated in and people have called me out on it in recent years they're mad at me about it because their high school years were ruined because of it and I, I'm sorry but at the time at the time we could see what was happening in Africa. And in Africa, it was a heterosexual illness. And we were scared to death that that was going to happen here. It just, there was no reason it wouldn't, as far as we could tell at the time. So yes, it was a, it was an overreach, but we really thought the risk was real. But you're right. That same mindset is what got Fauci this time. The, 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 the sort of panic mongering. But even, even with that, I want to just tell you today, I saw him interviewed today. And he was totally different than he's been in the last two years. I mean, I'm like, you you go listen to some of his interviews right now. Maybe it was just one I caught that where he was different. But this was the the Dr. Fauci I knew. This is the guy I loved. And and by the way, you got to remember, I how did I get into trouble during this pandemic? Here's how I got into trouble. First of all, by people editing what I said, but um, what I, and what I said was a little hubristic. But what I was saying was. And you know how that goes. They always, it's always what you, somebody saying what you said rather than what you said. What I was saying was, we just went through H1N1. There were 300,000 deaths from that one, and you didn't even know it happened. And now we're going to have a million deaths. Do we need to, it, it's three times, do we need to shut it? Just listen. I, can, I kept saying, listen to Fauci, listen to the CDC. They'll get us through this. We don't have to panic. Don't panic. Nothing is better in a panic. Well, that's, that's what I was crucified for, for daring to say that we shouldn't panic. Um, you know, I, I, what are your thoughts on that? I, I just, I, I meant to ask you that too. Then we'll go back to Fauci. Well, you know, I didn't see Fauci, but um, there's something happening like right now that, uh, the, yeah. that I wanted to talk about. Uh, the, so we heard um, that from South Africa, the Omicron will actually produce antibodies that will neutralize Delta. Now that is really yep. the sort of the best case scenario. We're also seeing yep. that the news just sort of suddenly stopped talking about death. You know, the, the biggest yep. problem with the pandemic, they, they just stopped talking about it. And mm -hmm. the, the other thing happening is that if we don't get a killer wave, and I haven't heard about it yet, but it's too early, from the holidays, they're the government is now going to have to explain how to how to get past this. But here's the best part. <laughs> as soon as you hear this, this is going to change. I think this is going to change how you feel about everything. Um, we have 
probably we're going to have something like, I'll just throw out a number for discussion, something like in the next week, there are going to be 30 million Americans who have some kind of a cold or maybe Omicron COVID symptoms, just because it's that time of season. Yeah. We have zero available yeah. tests. Coughs. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Just, just, just connect yeah. the dots. 30 million people okay. with something like yeah. a sniffle, might be Omicron, mm-hmm. might be a cold. No way to know. Mm-hmm. What do 30 million people do? Do they stay home? Did and you a notice? COVID test. Hold on. Here's the other tip. CDC just yeah. withdrew from 10-day quarantine to five. Why? Yeah. Nobody's going to stay home for 10 days if they don't have a test. They're trying to they're trying right. to maintain as long as they can, but the the dam is about just a few days away from bursting. Because <laughs> um, uh, I already know people who have said I have a sniffle. I'm not even going to check. It's over for me. Right. So people are basically right. saying cold or Omicron. It's all the same. I think it's over. I think and, February first. Let, let, let me pile on. I, well, we'll talk about February one. We're done in a second. But but, but let me let me pile on and say there's even a more sort of difficult problem with Omicron, the testing is very nefarious. It's all over the place. Some people stay positive for weeks. Some people are positive for hours. And so you have to catch it right when they're positive. It's very weird. I've got a patient right this minute, I was just talking to before we went on the air, who had had rapid antigen test at home, yesterday positive, today positive, PCR, today negative. That's Omicron. That's Omicron. It's all over the place. So testing vaccinated. almost becomes unnecessary. Vaccinated. Yeah. Vaccinated. Yeah, right. Um, and, and I think. The I mean, it's uh, so. Are, and and there there is a so, world where we just go go forth, go forth. This is a this is so, it, it, there's there's an article out there that says fifty percent of all colds in this next six week period is going to be Omicron. Fifty percent all colds and no way to tell. So as I've been saying for a long time, the, the government is a great tool if you're if you're in a war, right? You, you need to just focus all your energy and you know, somebody's got to be in charge and, and get it done. But the government was wholly inadequate for deciding who lived and died in the civilian world. You know, I'm going to let you young guys mm-hmm. go back to work. Yeah, grandma's going to die. but So it's not a decision you can make without a war. And so the public always yep. had to make this decision. But the lack of testing, interestingly, will be what ends the uh, the lockdowns. <laughs> the, the fact that they completely the testing. The thing they botched the end. most, the, the, the thing that was most scandalous about the whole thing is what gets us out of it. Yeah, I, I provided that here's, of course, there's always the one wrinkle, which is if some other variant comes around. That That's the part that's scary right now is something if something else. But, but notice this variant emerged in somebody who was chronically infected. It tends not to, to mutate as much in people that are, you know, sick for a few days only. So this this is hopeful as far as I'm concerned. But talk to me about February one. We're done. So I was uh, I was trying to get going the idea that the government needs to give us a date because if you don't manage to expectation, you know, if you don't manage to some kind of a target, you're not managing. You're, you're just going on every day. So even though we know that you know data could change and you know deadlines change, we are adults at this point. And if the government could just say, you know, we're going to shoot for February one, we all want to get rid of these restrictions. If the data keeps going the way it looks like it's going, 
we have a good chance of just being free on February 1, just as a way to focus our energy. If you've ever had um, any home improvements done, you know that it'll never be done unless you tell them you're planning a holiday party or, or there's, <laughs> there, there's some artificial reason that it's got to be done by, you know, six weeks. In six weeks, so there's a wedding. Yeah. You can hold a wedding in your house. It's got to be done. You know, you, you, artificial deadlines are the only thing that focus people. You know, it's just human nature. And the government's no different. I they, they could just sort of drag it on forever unless the public rises as one and says, all right, now, you know, thank you for the help, but we'll take it from here. And I think the lack of the, the positive tests plus Omicron is the signal for the public. And I think it's happening. Like, uh, it's not even theoretical. I think at this moment, people are saying, I got a cold, I'm going to work, I'm done. And that's all it's, that's all. In, in a weird way, it's back to the topic of intentions. Yes, yes. The, I, the public, um, I, I've always said that we, you don't have to be worried in, about the pandemic giving the government all this control and trying to do weird things with you. Because it, the, re, the problem was with the restrictions is the public had not decided by a large enough majority that they were done with the restrictions because plenty of people liked them or, right. or at least felt comfortable with them. So, so it's weird. not until the public so decides something like 75% of the public needs to be on the same side. And then the public is just in charge. That's just the way it works. It, it's so, this so much about this experience just expose things about people that just, I, I just shake my head about. Um, and liking a lockdown and liking a directives is, is, or liking to give directives I, that you, you know, I spent a lot of my career fighting the right who used to tell me what I couldn't could say and not say on the radio. And I'd like some apologies from some of the things that uh, they came down to me about things like safe, safe sex and the HPV vaccine and morning after contraception, which vil vilified me for those three things. No, there'll be no apologies, Scott. Don't, don't worry. You won't get an apology. And now on the left, they're telling you how to live, how to talk, what you can and can't say. It's just weird to me uh I, I i tell people i'm in i'm so centrist i'm so moderate in the middle that i'm i'm in a purple haze i'm my, i live in purple haze that's that's where i live uh but because i'm there it, the extremes just get very um confusing to me including a topic that i know you sort of criticize and let's get into a little bit the the idea of collective delusion um this kind of was elucidated by a psychiatrist. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, hold on a second. I'm going to look it up for you. But uh, I'll let you comment. I think what you've been saying is we're already always in a collective delusion. So why make much of it now? Am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea is that uh, we're in some kind of a dream state and easily... Uh, easily manipulated because of everything with the pandemic and, you know, we have uncertainty. And when there's great uncertainty, people will go to whatever message seems strong. So they, they act somewhat irrationally. But what my complaint is, we're always in that situation. The, the, we didn't need a pandemic. We just needed somebody persuasive because uh, life's pretty confusing. I mean, the fact that there are two sides of everything. That, you know, uh, I, I made a prediction that uh, in 2021 that uh, Republicans would be hunted. Politico listed it as one of the worst predictions of 2021, whereas I did a poll and said, do you think I was right that Republicans are hunted? And thousands of people said, oh, yeah, that's right. And gave, you know, five examples from 
the January 6th people being hunted to social media kicking people off to Roger, you know, Roger Stone getting raided by the FBI. And the list, the list gets pretty long. So we don't even know if Republicans were hunted. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty basic thing not to know. So do we, do we really need a mass formation you know, explanation that the society was just right to make us this way? Or were, were we always this way? Are, are we always on the edge of, a, of such irrationality that it doesn't take much but a, a gifted speaker to push you over? By the way, speaking of that, um, I always talk about Trump is so persuasive. I heard a, an idea today that so well explains it, which is that your brain is programmed by stories. And that's pretty much it. Hmm. So everything you think is based on the story you heard that took root and became your, your program. And I thought how Trump always talks in stories. You know, it's not border security is good. It's uh, people are coming across the border. And, you know, you could imagine the criminals and, you know, as, as he try, adds the hyperbole to it. But uh, and, and then even uh, how he dealt with uh, climate change. You know, he had a whole story about uh, it being a, a Chinese hoax. Had you know, lots of details with it about what they were doing to get an advantage economically for, for decades or whatever. And uh, every time you see somebody who talks in a story, they're, they're off the chart in persuasiveness. So what this pandemic is done is um, Yeah, metaphor is not so good. It has to be based on something that people think okay. is a real story. Uh, or it could be a real got story. It, got it. But the stories and, and the don't actually have. pandemic is another story. Right. And the pandemic gave us a whole bunch of new stories that we now have to process. Or mm. our programming has been really upset by all these new stories and ways to look at the world. And, and so, but the way I would think of it, though, is like even a, even a delusional patient, somebody who's frankly psychotic, has states where the delusions settle down and states where they escalate. And, and to me, we have been in an escalated state of delusional thinking, whether we're always there or not. Where do we've in when people first start talking about <clears throat> Nazis everywhere and Russian in the White House, and I, that's like you would I would have hospitalized you five years ago if you'd said that I, literally, <laughs> categorically. And, and now all of a sudden, it's everybody's thinking that way. And same thing around the pandemic. Do you see a, a source for all this? And again, back to Fauci and the Fauci I saw today speaking, he was reasonable. He was quiet. He didn't look like a cat on a hot tin roof anymore. He didn't wasn't shifting. He was just being a doctor and answering questions. It was totally different, dude. Why? Why well, he was he in that state before? What's that? But he has to explain why very soon he's going to say all the restrictions are done. In other, in other words, he has to show you a slow transition. So I, I feel yeah, like yeah, that's a little bit, that's on the roof. He, he's giving you a little hint of what's to come, foreshadowing. I may, maybe, may, maybe I, I could be, could be, but it seemed emotional to me. He seemed like, 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 oh, there he is. Like, oh, but they welcome back, Tony. <laughs> but my question is, is this all Trump derangement? Is did that guy trigger some sort of weird collective, weird emotional state oh, in everybody? Only indirectly, if that was what goosed the news models to be so polarized and, and polarized, not just taking sides, but taking sides crazily 
like extreme taking sides that doesn't make any sense in some, some occasions. So I, I think it was the business model of social media and the business model of the news that's driving all this. So it, you know, those business models amp up your emotions. Trump was a perfect topic that they could use, but if it hadn't been Trump, I think they would have picked somebody else. You know, there, there's always somebody. Oh, interesting. Fauci or Trump. You know, there, there's always a focus. There's a, a personality because we like to put a, a person to our problems uh, that gets the clicks. You know, I've, wow, I've, uh, interesting. I've had a lot of uh, uh, pushback because I don't criticize Fauci as much as, <laughs> let's say, 100% of my, <laughs> my audience does. Mm-hmm. And part of that reason is I can't be sure what he's thinking or what's right or what's not. Well, someday we'll know. But um, yeah. it, it felt like it was, they were, it felt like they were going after him on a personal level that was a little bit out of sync with the facts. And I just didn't want to be part yeah. of a, yeah. the, the, the pitchfork crowd. Yeah, I, I do think when the day is done, he'll look okay. He, he was adulterated for some reason. His, his low point was when Jim Jordan was asking him about gathering outside for demonstrations versus gathering outside for football games or church services. And he, he, he feigned misunderstanding. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that was, that's not him. Uh, that was a, that was, I didn't recognize that guy. That was bizarre to me. Yeah. And uh, that was when I stopped. I got very, very, very concerned about him. And I'm telling you, let's all pay careful attention. It may, he may be a little bit better in terms of his um, decision-making. How old is he? How old is he? 81, I think. I think he's 81. You know, I think we just have to get over this 80-year-old leader thing. Like, there, there's nobody in the world who thinks that <laughs> an 80-year-old has the same mental capacity as a as a 50-year-old. I mean, there, there's no medical uh, person. There's uh, no, look. Nobody in the public. I, I, nobody. I, 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 I'm in my 60s. I feel I can tell the difference. <laughs> I, I got news for you. It's not, I'm not right, the let, same. Fauci had his birthday on December 24th. Yeah, we're 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 close enough What's in that? age. Uh, I'm older, but yeah, I was wondering. Uh, I look at my own mental processes, and I would say that my yeah. effectiveness is higher than it has ever been because of the combinations of experiences that work well together. But I can definitely mm-hmm. feel I don't learn learn as quickly. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But I also wonder if it's easier to learn when you're young because there's nothing else in your head. I mean, my head has a lot of stuff going on. If I try to put a new thing in there, it's got got a a lot of traffic to contend with. Yeah, I think memory is not as good. Memory is the one function that we're, if you're like me, I was used to relying on heavily and it's not as efficient. What's really gone down is what's called working memory. The ability to hold things in mind while you work on something else, right? I used to be able to do two or three tasks in my head while I was focusing on something else. That is gone. That is gone. And then, and then initiation. I, I, I was, I was out. I was couldn't stop doing things. I was always initiated, initiate, initiating. Now it's like. <laughs> not not as much, not so much. I'll I'll, I'll meet you in Santorini, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> that sounds a little better to me right now. But so that's all. That's a change. But but I agree with you in terms of efficacy and communication and process. It's, it feels like process, and maybe it's the storytelling too. the The process feels very effective as compared to say when I was thirty five. Right. Very different. Yeah, everything yeah. is. 
And I, I also enjoy, I mean, this is off topic, but I enjoy being my uh, age because people treat me seriously. Like I walk into a store oh, and everybody thinks, oh, we better, we better make this guy happy. <laughs> yeah, he's just, once you reach a certain age. Interesting. That's what you feel that way? For you. She's laughing back recognize Yeah. By the way, that, while Susan's dropping it, I'm no, old too. I know. No chance we're going to hear from a, get a Christina sighting or hear from her today. We we miss her. We how we've is been, she? Yeah, how's she? She's not old. She, she, she's good. She was flying today. Uh, so she's anytime she gets to fly, she's happy. Oh, good. Good for her. <laughs> Amazing. It's not raining up there. It is raining. She's actually uh, IFR trained now, so she can fly in cloudy. You know, cloudy conditions. Oh, yeah, she's, wow. no, she's like a stunt pilot. She's they like may the, need her at some of these airlines next she, week. Everybody's uh, dropping like flies. <laughs> I think they've shortened the the. Uh, That's funny. The the uh, days off because they don't want the airlines to go out of business. Great. Let let's do this. Let's take it so I can cough a little bit. Let's take a quick break. And don't uh, worry, he doesn't have COVID. No, I've been well. I, I've been tested multiple, multiple, multiple times, but it's still possible the way oh, Omicron works. You no, I'm just know. saying the way Omicron works is just you can miss the testing. But <sighs> but uh, I've been tested. <laughs> every day for five days. I didn't days. get sick either and I slept next to you. That's true. Uh, but we'll take, we have to do a couple of quick ad breaks and we'll be back with uh, more Scott Adams just right after this. I want to give a shout out to our good friends at Blue Mics. If you've heard my voice on this show anytime over the past year, including right now, you've been listening to Blue Microphones. And let me tell you, after more than 30 years in broadcasting, I don't think I have ever sounded better. But you don't need to be a pro or have a fancy studio to benefit from a quality mic. You may not realize it, but if you've been working from home or using Zoom to chat with friends, you probably spend a lot of time in front of a microphone. So why not sound your best? Whether you're doing video conferencing, podcasting, recording music, or hosting a talk show, Blue has you covered. From the USB series that plugs right into your computer to XLR professional mics like the mouse or the blueberry we use in the studio right now. Bottom line, there's a Blue microphone to fit your budget and need. I can't say enough about Blue Mics, and once you try one, you will never go back. Trust me. To take your audio to the next level, go to drdrew.com slash blue. That is drdrew.com slash B-L-U-E. We are back with the great Scott Adams, and uh, I was just uh, noting, Scott, I don't know if you noticed, there was uh, some headlines about Santorini today, about the Atlantis under the uh, rubble, that that uh, they'd made some breakthroughs into the various tsunamis that had hit that ancient Bronze Age society. You guys went and visited that, didn't you? Uh, yeah, it was it was great. It's one of the rumored places that could have been the fabled Atlantis, and I'm not yeah. sure if I buy that. There was definitely a advanced society that will blow your mind about what what they had and what they could do. They they had a toilet in one of these ancient ruins. You know, they they figured out a mm. it wasn't a flushable one, but they figured out a sewer system from like the second floor. It's like amazing. Wow, crazy. So uh, I want to swing back around to February 1, we are done. What is that going to look like? What do people do if they want to support that? Is that just a, a, a slogan or is there going to be some activities associated with helping helping that well, happen? You know, I like, I like it to be a uh, cooperative thing as opposed to a combative thing. You know, I don't want it to be the citizens against the government. This is a case where the government simply needs a hand because they can't make the decision of, ending things without a huge amount of public support because otherwise people are going to die 
We know if we end early, somebody's going to die and it's going to be you know, blood on the hands of whoever made that decision. So they need tons of support. It's, and it shouldn't be seen as some kind of a us versus them, you know, people versus the government. They need our help and they, I, I'm pretty sure they want to end the restrictions as soon as possible so they can get busy on the election for 2022 and not have that to worry about. You mentioned something else, I believe, this morning about uh, overwokeness as a uh, as a formal diagnosis. Yeah, I, I, it's certainly I, I, a it's, symptom complex w with other things for sure. But as its own freestanding diagnosis, I'm not so sure. But you you predicted it. Yeah, I, I said the overwokeness because that sounds more provocative. But here's a, a better way to say it: Do you think that people are suffering from something that could be called uh, oversensitivity to uh, social criticism, for example. Mm. So it may not be wokeness mm. is the exact right term, but certainly people are getting more upset than is healthy for them on based on things that maybe are important, but maybe you shouldn't feel so upset about them. They're, they're more like the texture of life. And I suspect mm. that people are probably already being um, you know, diagnosed with something like that and given some kind of uh, Xanax or antidepressant or something. So I, I think we're going to start seeing that the, you know, maybe the extreme Karens or the, you know, the, the people who see racism uh, under every, you know, piece of bread and under every blanket, uh, that maybe the doctors will start medicating them. I'm not saying they should. I'm just saying that the logical consequence of people having a specific worldview that bothers them in a specific way, somebody's going to say, I think I can treat that with a pill. I think it's going to happen. It, it's it's kind of, it makes me think about the the notion that mental health has always been predicated on the ability to manage and see reality on its own terms. In other words, to be able to, as much as our little brains can handle, you know, seeing reality, managing reality, being present for reality, not distorting it in some way. And so much of today's stories and narratives are are running contrary to what reality is. Reality will step back in. And some people will not be able to handle that, I think is what you're saying. And they'll continue to have this sensitivity syndrome, which will be interesting. Yeah, I think social media has, has ramped up our sensitivity too. Because imagine being, well, I don't have to imagine, yeah. uh, you know, imagine what I was like as a kid. And all I had to worry about is yeah. what people said to me in person. <laughs> and now imagine that uh, yeah. apparently you will be mocked for literally anything you post. It doesn't even have to be yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. You will be mocked for it because yeah. that's just what everybody does. So I can't even imagine having uh, lived through that. And there got to be people that that pushes to the edge. And I think, unfortunately, yeah. I think they're yeah. going to get met. I, I think I think that's right. And and back to you know you being tagged for giving a bad prediction. It, 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 as usual, it's never what you said in, in, that gets viral or gets media attention or spills ink. It's always what somebody said you said. Uh, that's the extraordinary thing about virality in, in my world is that I, it's it's not I, I've happened so many times, so many shitstorms where I look at it and I go that that has nothing to do with my intention or what I was saying or what you've just turned it into something else and that is what becomes the news. That's that's the, the fake news piece. Yeah. That's where it comes from. There, there's a new guardrail that fell off though. It used to be 
that if you thought somebody said something outrageous, the reasonable assumption was, oh, I probably heard that wrong or that's out of context. But so many actual outrageous things have happened, even from experts, yeah. that you could hear anything. So even this week, true yeah. story, there was somebody tweeting about the fact that he thought I had predicted that there would be a mass extermination of Republicans under Biden. Oh, right. Now, yes. In, in, a more, in a more sane time, wouldn't you have just read that and said, okay, I think that's what he's saying, but obviously not. <laughs> you know, the part, the guardrail that fell off is the, well, obviously not. There must be something else I don't know about yeah. the story. But everybody who saw that should have said, no, obviously that's not what he's saying. But there's so much craziness. You're, you you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're, you're right that, that, that it's possible that you did say something like that because there's so much craziness. But back in you know, the day, meaning three, four years ago, um, people <laughs> would go, and particularly when we have access to each other through social media, you'd go, did you mean that? What did you mean? Did you, did you say that? Did you mean that? We do the opposite now. It's like, oh, he's saying he, I'm going to tell you what he meant. And they created something else out of it. Ugh. I'll tell you what oh, well. blew my mind two years ago. Scott Alexander, which is, I think, his pen name for blogging, uh, wrote about why the stories that get our, most of our attention are false almost all the time. And it's not a coincidence. There's a, there's a causal element, which is if something is something you can imagine would happen in the real world, well, the news reports it and you go, ho, oh, oh, there's something that could happen in the real world. Uh -huh. It's only the things that mm -hmm. are literally impossible that become the big stories. Like, is it possible that a, uh, a president of the United States went on live TV and praised neo-Nazis as fine people. There was a time <laughs> when people would have said, well, obviously that didn't happen. They must have clipped off part of the video, which is exactly what happened. That's how that was created, that hoax. You just clip off the part where he clarifies, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis. If you take that out, it looks like he was. So, you know, just anything is possible. That people, literally half the country, I think, maybe more, maybe 65% of the country, at one point believe the president of the United States actually said those words. They also believe that he suggested drinking bleach. They actually believe that. <laughs> now, just think about it. This is the Scott Alexander theory, that the reason those two things became such big things is almost a guarantee that they weren't true. Because true things like that don't happen. They just don't happen. And I mean, the, when they do it. And, and, the, and you would think after the Covington Catholic kids, I'm going to sneeze too now. Excuse. Well, well let, let me say that in the Covington kids. The, at least the Covington kids was in the realm of possible. You're, you're saying you know, yeah. if it, yeah. the possibility was that a teenage kid was acting like a jerk. Totally possible. Yeah. Now, as it turns out, yeah. I was yeah. one of the many people who immediately had to apologize for being duped by that video. I mean, I thought it looked like that, and mm. it wasn't. It was the opposite. But at least mm. it was feasible, right? A kid acting like yeah. a jerk? Feasible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, just, the, I, the, again, that, that we ha aren't learning, that's the part that troubles me. You would think, oh, I think, I don't know, I feel like things are settling a little bit. I, again, I... I 
you know, I'm focusing on Fauci. I, rem I remember the day he said, well, maybe this thing did come from a Chinese lab. I thought this is a day things are changing. I think today things are changing a little bit. And it's just that people are the delusional intensity is settling, even though we may be always delusional. I would argue that the intensity of the delusional preoccupations are settling a little bit. And so there is the possibility of reason, the possibility of learning when people aren't spinning like yeah, tops. 2022 is going to be an election year. It's going to spin out of control. It's going to go. Uh, 2022 is going to be lit. <laughs> you, you think things are going to be crazy? a lot of new babies? Really? Oh no! Once they all start coming out of their house, I hate to hear you say that. So let's let's talk about predictions. Do you have any predictions for 2022? What do you mean in a bad way? Yeah. What do you mean by lit? Oh, uh, lit in terms of uh, the craziness will will reach new levels because this is a major major power shift. If things go the way it looks, like it's going to be craziness in uh, what? It, well, I think it's well, going to be I like think, a roaring twenties. Yeah, I don't think the Democrats can live with a world in which it's guaranteed that Republicans will take control of everything in twenty twenty two plus twenty twenty four. I just don't know that they can handle that. So imagine, you know, if you know that they came up with the, you know, the Russia collusion hoax and all the other hoaxes, and what the heck are they going <laughs> to? would do when it looks like they're going to lose everything. I mean, you would imagine that they would crank it up a little bit. All right, let me give you some predictions. I think COVID right. is going to, restrictions will be over February 1-ish. You know, may not be that date, but around there because of Omicron mostly. Uh, the, fun, the funniest tweet I heard was, you know the story about how the World Health Organization uh, oh, didn't want to call the, uh, the virus uh, XI because it looked like, you know, uh, yeah. she, yeah. China. Yeah. Somebody tweeted today when they heard the Omicron was going to be the vaccination that fixed everything. They wonder if uh, President Xi uh, wishes it was called <laughs> the, the Xi um, very. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, That's funny. Right here, uh, I'll give you some wild predictions uh, that the United States and okay. Russia will start talking about a security agreement in which we become more like allies or at least a path toward that because in the long run we're going to have to be allies in space because china is going to be just too big for, and i don't think china has russia's interest in mind and nor do we so china is going to have to find a partner and it's either going to be us or china and i think it's going to be us so i i would look mm -hmm. for some russia u.s security movement small movement maybe well, you'll see that direction starting to take form. Um, I think, as I said, we're going to reach a higher level of awareness about what's real. Our skepticism will be through the roof. And uh, oh, I want to tell you one, one of my predictions I was proud of, which is I said that Trump would look better every day he's out of office. And I think that was one of my most accurate predictions. Because if you look at you know Biden's approval, it's, it's in the dumps. And most of the things that he's been criticized for, it would be easy to imagine, whether it's true or not, but it's easy to imagine that Trump's personality would have done better, you know, such as border security and, you know, maybe, maybe kicking some butts on rapid tests, although he didn't do anything in rapid tests that I'm aware of when he was in the office. So um, mm -hmm. I'm also going to predict uh, Trump is not the nominee for the Republicans. Mm -mm. Um, so that would make DeSantis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
that would make DeSantis the heir apparent. And I think DeSantis is unbeatable because I, I don't know who's advising him, but or if or if it's just his own instincts. Well, I've never seen anybody cue up a ball and hit it so accurately so many times in a row. So he's got this little routine going where there'll be something in the news that's bothering mostly his base. And the next thing you know, he's got an executive order that's right on the money for that exact problem that was on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> and, he, and he just keeps doing that thing where every time Republicans get worked up, he's like, okay, here's my new legislation. It's, it's very effective for making him look like he gets stuff done because he's actually getting stuff done. So I, I think he's unbeatable. And I think there could be Trump fatigue. And it's hard to imagine that Trump would be, I hate to say it, but completely health free, healthy for the next three years without something that makes you yeah. question, you know, continuing yeah. to elect people that age. It's just not going to make sense, especially if you have when, Somebody, when Trump ran. I, I think he was so clearly the right choice for the mood of the Republicans, plus the ones he moved to his side. But if you have an alternative, DeSantis, and you can get the policies without the prov provocation, that's going to look really attractive to people. I think and, that's right. And Trump, that's true. Trump can win in two different ways. He could do his media empire thing which it looks like he's queuing up. He can look like he's running for president to you know, attract all that energy, launch a, a platform that if it gets some traction, he can actually affect the uh, policies as much as if he were in office. You know, in, in the same way that oh, say- interesting. People imagine Fox News changes government decisions when there's Republicans in charge. Uh, I think that a big Trump network in some kind of social media kind of way, could actually be dominant in terms of uh, Republican opinion for a long time. Some somebody on my uh, chat stream here said that uh, DeSantis had said no to running for president recently. Is that just nonsense, or is that rumor? Have you heard anything about that? Well, that just sounds like a politician talking because they always say, "No, I'm yeah. concentrating on my current job." But I also think that he's right. it's a delicate situation because he and Trump are both in Florida at the moment. Yeah, they probably run into each right, other a right, lot. Right. And I don't think right. that DeSantis when you say would, Oh, sorry. I, I don't think that DeSantis would kneecap a Trump. I think he would need his blessing to, to make mm, it work. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, Interesting. So, so I think there'll be a time that Trump might decide that running a media empire is just a better job. Although he's so competitive, he just might. Do you think it'll be TV? No, it's he's got TV or Rumble. Like, he's got platforms. He's, he's working on with Rumble right now. Yeah, he's got some platforms going. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to have his own Rumble thing. Right going. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, would or would would it be accurate to describe you as a libertarian? Uh, no, I used to call my. I used to say I'm a libertarian without the crazy parts. That was just so people didn't know what I was. <laughs> now, I say, now I say I'm left at Bernie, but better at math. So all of my strategy <laughs> is to make sure people, people can't identify, you know, or label me because then you get bound by that. And it starts to affect your own psychology right. as well. As soon as you're on a team, yeah, you want your team to win, even if they're not playing well that day. All right. Interesting. And I'm trying to catch up with questions I'm seeing on my streams and things. And people... Uh, 
asking about the Ukrainian-Russia border tension. Do you think that's part of Russia trying to get our attention for negotiation purposes, or is there really something going on there? Probably both. I mean, Putin could win either way. You know, I, I would imagine he would get some boost for getting more control of some area there. But um, I would imagine it's at least 50% about negotiating, uh, putting pressure on us. Because he's the, the, right. the, the thing is that he has a completely legitimate concern, which is stuff happening right on your border. If, if anything like that was happening on our border, can you imagine? <laughs> so on right. one hand, yeah, that's the way I try to think about it. Yeah, we, we don't want Russia to get everything they want just because they, they want it, right? We don't want to live in that world either. But we have to deal with the fact that he's asking for something reasonable. But so are we. You know, uh, it seems like and, something and they to, still, uh, yeah. And, and they still have, a, in addition to it being right on their doorstep, they still have the psychology of uh, the siege of St. Petersburg hanging over their head, or, or what was it called, Stalingrad back then, or whatever. It, it, you know, they, their, their trauma from World War II was profound. And uh, we sometimes right. don't really appreciate that. Right. So. Yeah, there's no way you could. I mean, how could you imagine even that? It's beyond imagination. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, I always love talking to you, spending time with you. Where should people go? You want to, where would you like them to uh, show up? <laughs> Dilbert.com, if you want to see the comic. And if you want to follow me, go to uh, Scott Adams Says, uh, all together. Scott Adams Says at, on Twitter. And, and, and what about YouTube? Uh, YouTube, just Google, uh, or go to YouTube and search for uh, Real Coffee with Scott Adams, or go to, if you're a member of Locals, you already know how to find me, subscription service. He's on, right, he's on Locals, and he gives some special lectures there at Locals. Otherwise, you can find him at 7 a.m. Pacific time on YouTube, and he will hypnotize you with a coffee. It's interesting that, I, I really do think you're, you're doing something on us with that, because I have yet to talk to you or interview you that I haven't had a cup of coffee in my hand when we when we talk. That's not normal. That's you, I suspect. So I, I know I have a weak instrument that's swayed by social discourse of all types. So uh, have at it. <laughs> so uh, appreciate We love you. Yeah, appreciate it so much that you come on here. And I hear you in Drew's bathroom every morning. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's a little love affair going on in there. Your 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 voice, oh, okay. not, not you actually in oh, there, but your your voice. <laughs> yeah, on his phone. Yeah, my phone. He has going. a routine, and you're part of it. Yeah, you're part of my routine. Um, but I, I, we really. And if I'm if I'm not lucky, I'll be in bed. <laughs> and uh, we do want to see Christina again too. So let's uh, make an effort to do that. Uh, it'd be nice to spend a little time with her again. So right. please send what her. What time is your our, show? It's like seven o'clock in the morning, 7 right? Seven o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So. Drew's usually up and no, but he showering. It, you 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 can watch it even if it's not live. It's not you don't have to watch live. So um, check it out. See if you like it. Uh, thank you guys. It's really uh, good. It's really good. Thank you. Uh, well, for me, I told I've told Scott this many times. He, when I was trying to make sense of the what was happening in the Trump world, first of all, I didn't understand the enthusiasm for Trump. I couldn't. I I talked to lots of people like, what What are you seeing here? What is this? And then when he came to office, it seemed even more confusing to me. And Scott kind of made sense of what he was doing and how to understand it, and it calmed me down. <laughs> and then, um, so I felt better. So he he slowly became one of my news sources, uh, and uh, and I I rarely. 
I find myself really disagreeing with things you were saying. Again, maybe it's the coffee hypnosis, but uh, it it you, usually it it helps me understand uh, the world through that prism of persuasion and you know the 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 collective delusion that we all live in. That's often not symptomatic, but we're always there. I do agree with that. So thank you so well, much. I'm trying to help. So, yeah. so thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. And again, best of Christina. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And we'll see you on the other side. And uh, for everyone else who's uh, out, out on YouTube, thank you for spending a little time with us. I appreciate it very that much. That made your year. It made our year. We appreciate you. I appreciate that, it so much. Hope that was interesting to you all on YouTube. I'm going to. a nice audience today, too. Thank gonna, you, everybody, for listening. I'm going to end the YouTube room. Thank you for being with us. You, no, not YouTube. I mean, Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse. I beg your pardon. Those and, poor people. Um, they had to hear you cough during the break. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's been kind of. It's been really unpleasant. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's see. Still haven't caught anything. How come um, I haven't caught anything? Dr. still has his drug recovery hospital in Pasadena. No, I do not. I never had one. I was the medical director of a freestanding psychiatric hospital of chemical dependency uh, service, um, but I never had a hospital. And when we filmed Celebrity Rehab, I inserted my clinical team in somebody else's facility. Uh, I've never had a facility. That's just never happened. Uh, it was never, I never made a living treating addicts and alcoholics. It's just not something that, it's not a good business. And it, I'd never tried to make it a business. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see anything else here. I believe in jabs. Yeah, I believe in, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I believe for I, us I, definitely. Yeah, I, I've had all my family vaccinated. You can make I, your own choice. I'm not yeah. in favor of mandates at all, and I have uh, a lot of concerns about children getting vaccinated. But pediatricians need to make create the guidance. We've had there. a few friends get COVID this this month. Oh, I've had so a many few, people get COVID. and they're like, yeah, no symptoms. I feel fine, and they get better. In I, five I will days. tell you, having now seen many many cases of, of vaccinated COVID and unvaccinated yeah. COVID. It's way worse if you haven't been vaccinated. It's way worse. Uh, the ones that aren't vaccinated are scaring me right now. I hope that it comes out well. I hope it's not as strong as the Delta. I hope they're getting the, the lesser virus. Yeah. Even the Delta after, I've seen some of that too. And even the Delta after vaccine, you do pretty well. No, before, like if you don't have the vaccine, will the Omicron <clears throat> be as hardcore as the Delta? If it's no, no, the no. Oh, no, it's very mild. In fact, most people, I'd say the majority of the people I've seen with Omicron didn't even know they were, had an illness. So like the Delta's just gone, right? Or is the Delta Delta's being outcompeted by the Omicron. Yes, it's, so it's like, going away. Didn't you say something about the Omicron like kills the Delta or something? The, the antibodies from Omicron will, will, will adequately protect you against Delta. So you're good. If, you're good against everything if you've had Omicron, just like if you're good against. No, everything but what I'm saying Delta. is, you said that the it's sort of like viruses take over each other. <coughs> you're kind of talking about that at the beginning. That's a little, that's my little pet theory. I'm, I'm not I'm prepared theory. to go public with that yet. That's different than what Omicron is doing, which is giving you immunity to things. Sorry, I'm leaking the good um, stuff. That's all right. Um, we didn't really talk about brainwashing with Scott. That's the other thing he talks about. But all the stuff we were talking about is really his topic yeah. of, of brainwashing. He's good. Listen to his show. He's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, he just said he's not a Republican. So if that makes you guys. Jim is asking, uh, do you think Fratch will get back to the credibility he once had? I do. It, it won't be. It's been shaken. Trust me. But I think he's on the road. <laughs> his his attitude today in an interview was completely different, like a different guy. Well, he said, don't go any, to any New Year's parties if you haven't been vaccinated or you don't think other people have been vaccinated. So TS is saying, can I conclusively say Omicron is mild? Be careful. Oh, we can't say. I have seen... 80 cases of Omicron in the last week. Um, 
in vaccinated people and in natural immunity people, it was mild in all the cases. And in many, in the majority of the cases, they didn't know they were sick. I've seen some Delta. I've seen some Omicron in unvaccinated. They get sick. They get sick. I so I can't say Omicron is, oh, it's just milder. It's milder in the vaccinated and natural immunity. I'm case. wondering if you have it, but you're not turning it into something that's shedable. Correct. That's possible. That's what I was telling you, that the, the vaccine, the, the testing on Omicron is, is really difficult. Yeah. It's not, it's not testing the way the other variants tested. They're, they're shedding virus very short periods of time, particularly people with lots of immunity like me. You should and probably so get the additive it, score catch, again. I know. I was thinking about that. So if my additive score is way up, um, you know, there you go. So you catch it. You don't, you don't like turn it into something that you can shed. It is. It's all over the place. Some people are shedding for a long period of time, and some people are shedding for a very, very short period of time and only testing positive. Like I told you, I had a patient an hour ago, two home, two rapid antigen test positive, negative PCR on the same day. How is that possible? How is that possible? It, it's very difficult to say what's well, going on. I feel fine. I don't think you're that sick. All right. You've been coughing on me for a week. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Patrick says, Scott is lying about being a, not being a Republican. No, he is believing not a Republican. <laughs> Libertarian. He is not a Republican. He he is a, he was a liberal. Yeah. Um, he see. just likes to talk about Trump. It brings good numbers. <laughs> and he, uh, he's more rational about it than emotional, you know? Yeah. Which uh, I what like. do I do for drug recovery practice today? Really just case by case, you know, sort of evaluations. I'm not running a program presently. I, I, a day doesn't go by that I'm not getting called about people with these conditions, but um, it's it's not that I'm running a program presently. Uh, and Bob and Shelly are out there in the trenches a bit, and I work with them. So yeah. they, are, they are doing the day-in, day-out stuff. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. And my voice is given out finally, and I'm going to keep <laughs> coughing. I have, to, so, I have to go pack. Yeah, we're going to go to, we're going to leave the state. Get me out of here, as I keep saying. Um, Get me out of this house. Did I mention how accurate the Dope Stick series is? Uh, we did. We talked about it. Uh, and it is accurate, but it's not the whole story. Read, please read Dream, Dream. Um, Dreamland. Dreamland by Sam Cunonius and The Least of Us. The Least of Us. He's got a new book about meth that piles on the opioid story. He, Sam, is uncanny in his ability to get the facts exactly right and tell the story of how these things happen yeah. the drug companies were absolutely duplicitous but it was my profession that really perpetrated this thing all right everybody thank you so much <laughs> I'm, so we're going to see people i'm sorry <laughs> I, okay. i'm just gonna be coughing a lot right now he's getting ready to go we're gonna see people next week i don't know we haven't booked anybody yet we're working on it you're not going to be here though next week we'll be with you I'll oh in new york you, you want to do something in we new york. have our travel kit we're going to put it together on okay. wednesday when you're when you're doing okay, so Gutfeld, maybe, you're going to be on Gutfeld on Wednesday night. So maybe on Thursday we'll do something. And okay. then we're going to, Thursday and Friday, we're going to do something. All right, Thursday and Friday. Caleb's ready to roll. All right, guys. Caleb, thank you. Well done. Thank you for uh, producing this as always. As Susan, usual. Good Susan, job. Thank you. Michelle Poe, thank you for booking this. And Scott, thank you for spending a little time with us. And uh, we will see everyone on the tour uh, uh, just before the new year, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, just before the new year. We'll see you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. 
Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800 273 8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com/slash help. 